Unleashed with me, John Lund, the Barry Daily Sports Podcast you can't miss or your dog will chew up your best shoes. And it starts right now on the Locked On Podcast Network. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. It is Wednesday. You have made it to hump day, September 14th, 2022. I've never seen or heard a player eviscerated like this. That would be Trey Lance. Geno Smith isn't going to cook the 49ers like that. That game was pure emotion. I don't buy what Gabe Kapler is trying to sell about a dust-up and a send-down. Farhan Zaidi, Giants president of baseball operation, talks about a certain big Yankee. And if he'll bring him home, he has to. He has no choice. Tim Hardaway joined me. He's into the Basketball Hall of Fame, the former warrior with a killer crossover. People are demanding a list on what I'll tell you. More numbers on the 64-yarder on one for the road, and he finally admits he was wrong, but there are no do-overs in football. You know that. Thanks for joining us. John Lund with you. It is Unleashed, a daily sports podcast, the one that you have to listen to daily, well, weekdays at least, Monday through Friday, so that you know more about Bay Area sports. Listen every day. Unleashed is dropped every morning. It makes a nice serial companion or drive-to-work buddy, I found. Make sure you hit me up at John Lund Radio. Interact. Drop me a thought, questions, comments, disagreements, attaboys, however you want to do it. We do the mailbag each Tuesday, but let's be honest. If you have a great interaction, I will read the best ones on the air again at John Lund Radio. Remember to listen to Pop and Lund weekdays on KNBR, the sports leader in the Bay Area from 10 to 2. I do pregame, halftime, and postgame on the 49ers radio network as well, so listen to each 49ers game. And uh, please listen and subscribe to Unleashed, Bay Area Sports Podcast with me. Spotify, Apple, all the normal places that you listen to podcasts. And please tell all your friends, and the YouTube channel will drop shortly as well. I'll keep you up to date on the pod on what's going on, and we are doing that shortly with the YouTube channel. Thanks for joining us. Always love, appreciate uh, joining and hanging out with me. If you are new to the show, the leadoff, we always get the big story of the day. And I got to be honest, and I'm not just saying this for effect. I have never, never heard a player who was eviscerated the way Trey Lance was by former Rams head coach Mike Martz. It's today's leadoff. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I've never seen anything about this kid that was encouraging at all. He really has to plan himself to make a good throw. Uh, he's not a quick decision guy. Everybody's shot in the rear about him being a, a mobile guy making plays with his feet. He looked like a fullback stumbling around trying to run the ball to me. I mean, he's not Lamar, you know, so. I don't know what he is. He, he's not a particularly a good guy run the, with the football. And based on what I saw today, I mean, he, he missed two guys completely by themselves. Uh, I know it was in the rain, but your quarterbacks do that. You, you make those throws. Um, I know this, he can only go up. He can only get better because you can't get any worse than what he did today. Uh, I've never liked him. I still don't like him. Um, I don't know. I'd like to know what he does so well because he, he's not a great passer, doesn't have good skills, takes him a long time to set himself and throw the football, misses easy throws, and he's not particularly a runner other than that. He's a hell of a player. All right, let me put some context on who Mike Martz is, especially if you're a younger part of the demographic. Mike Martz was the offensive coordinator when the Rams won the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl under Dick Vermeil. 
against the Tennessee Titans. You remember the play. Kevin Dyson tried to reach the ball out at the goal line. The Rams win. Mike Martz was the offensive coordinator for the greatest show on turf, which, which featured three Hall of Famers in Kurt Warner. Well, I think two Hall of Famers, actually. Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, and I think Torrey Holt will go in or in is in. Regardless, really good offense that the Rams had. Then he became the head coach, wasn't as successful, but he is respected as a good offensive mind and a good quarterback evaluator. He now works for the 33rd team, which is a very respected website of former executives, coaches, etc., doing a lot of football work, and it's a cool site. It's a respected site. Mike Martz was on it. That's what he said about Trey Lance. He can say whatever he wants. He's old school, and he makes valid points. There's no question about it. Now, where I would take exception with Mike Martz, and it just it, it kind of sounds like a personal attack. I'm not being soft. It just sounds like a personal attack on Trey Lance. I don't know what Trey Lance did. I don't know if there's something in their past. I have no idea. But in Mike Martz's day, quarterbacks were more prepared to play. Uh, quarterbacks would sit two or three years. That, that's just how it was. The 49ers knew what they were getting into, and I'm going to cover some ground that you already are well aware of, but I just want to go back for just a second. Uh, 319 career passes at North Dakota State University. Now, Carson Wentz went there, but other than that, it's not exactly a quarterback factory. He is inexperienced. He is raw. There is an absolute question mark whether Trey Lance is going to make it in this league. He can run. He has a strong arm. Uh, I wouldn't agree with the plotting fullback. It wasn't a great field. I'm not making excuses for Trey Lance. Trey Lance doesn't need for me to make him excuses. But let me play this for you. This is Greg Cosell. If you've never heard of him, he's from NFL Films. He's been doing it about 40 years. He's a friend of mine, and he joins us on KNBR Weekly, and all he does is look at the tape. There's going to be a vast difference in the way that Greg Cosell talks about Trey Lance and the way that Mike Martz talked about, about Trey Lance. And it's not, again, I, I'm not soft. It's not me. It's not my kid. Uh, I want a, a proper evaluation of a quarterback. I want honest evaluation of a quarterback. That's what I want. This is what Greg Cosell does. He doesn't do it with emotion. He doesn't guess. He does it on an ESPN show, a preview show of the NFL. He's been with NFL Films for, I think, over 40 years. And he's been going on national shows, local shows. You've probably heard of him, seen him. He does a great job in analyzing. And this is what he analyzed and what he saw from the film on Sunday. At this point, Lance, number one, he needs to be – more accurate, more precisely accurate, you know, with his ball placement. We all saw him badly overthrow Croft on that throwback wheel. That yeah. should have been a touchdown. Um, that was early in the game, too, before the weather was terrible. Um, and, and he needs work on, on what I would call calculated and comfortable pocket movement. When he moves, he's very frenetic and unsettled. And it, the result is he'll miss throws. And I, I made a note that there was a great example that ended the third possession. It was third and three, and Jennings was wide open on an inbreaker, and Lance missed him badly. He was so frenetic in his movement, and, and he didn't really reset his platform. That's kind of the term we use. And he threw it so much off balance that what should have been just a very easy throw became a really difficult throw, and he missed it badly. So there was good and there was bad. Kyle's trying to keep it basic for Lance. He didn't ask him to do too much in the passing game. Um, and obviously they'll use his, his running skills at times. So there's Greg Cosell from NFL Films, and you heard Mike Martz earlier. One guy, Martz, who coached in the NFL and was an offensive guru, acts as if Trey Lance is a finished product. Greg Cosell is telling you what he sees now. Look, it's not great, and I'm not, I don't know if Trey Lance is going to make it in the league, but here's what I know. 
played at North Dakota State, is the most inexperienced first-round quarterback in 45 years, and he's on a Super Bowl contender, and it's a popular team that lots of people like to talk about nationally, locally, but you got to give him time to develop. Having said that, his time might be short because if you lose to Seattle this weekend, we are going to have a legitimate conversation about making a quarterback change and not for ratings and not for clicks and not for listens because if you go 0 for 2 and then you go to Denver and the Rams come in the house, you're not going to just throw away a season to develop a quarterback. Jacksonville can do that. The Jets can do that. The Bears can do that. Bad football teams can do that with young quarterbacks. The 49ers are not that. They're a Super Bowl contender, and they may soon have a decision to make. That is your leadoff. Next. So this is when the manager went to get him, and uh, something was said by Littell, and then when Gabe came back into the dugout, he said, all right, young man, we got to have a chat. And a chat they had. You say you went all the way from the dugout to his office? During the uh, after the game. After the game. Oh, after the game. Yeah, um, obviously on the field we had a little bit, and then we spoke a little bit in the tunnel. Yeah. Um, that's something that we don't really want to address during the game, obviously. Um, and we both knew that. Like we had, we had a job to do and finish the game and get through that last inning, and that was the priority. And um, after the game, I went in, apologized for my part in it, and uh, moved forward. I think Zach. You know, wanted to stay in that game. Obviously, he's a competitor and and wanted to to finish that inning. And um, you know, I think it was just his you know wanting me to know that he wanted to finish that inning. There's uh, there's obviously a way to do that. Um, Zach knows that. We discussed it, and um, he knows that when I come out to get the ball, I, he just needs to put the ball in my hand, and we'll talk about anything later. We don't. We open the door for for conversations around you know when players enter and and exit games, and I'm happy to discuss those things with players. There's a way to do that. I think Zach understands that. I think the most straightforward way to think about it is there's a lot of competition in our bullpen all the time, and the way I explained it to Zach is I totally understand that um, he may feel like the decision to to have him go to Zach was related to the interaction that we had last night on the mound and subsequently in the tunnel. Um, I, I tried to assure him that it was very much performance-based and we have a lot of arms that we want to get a look at in our bullpen, including getting Sapucky here on the roster and um, that there's no doors closed and, and he can get back to the major league level. Nope, 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 nope. Not buying it. That was, let me go through that for you. That was NBC Sports Bay Area, and that was Kipe on the call for Giants-Braves last night. If you didn't see it, this was a visual, and when we get the YouTube channel, you're really going to like this because we can show you the face that Gabe Kapler made because I can't really sufficiently explain it to you. It was a death stare. It was the type of stare your dad gives you when he's really mad. He's not going to yell at you. He's disappointed and he's incredulous. That's the that's the look Gabe gave him. Like you, what are you doing? Are you kidding? Now, if, if you don't know what Gabe Kapler looks like, you probably do if you're a Giants fan and listening to this podcast. But he is the most in shape forty plus year old man ever, maybe in history. He hasn't had a carb since 1973. Let me put a pin in this story for just a second and tell you the type of diet that Gabe Kapler uh, goes by. 
He was part of uh, the Dodgers farm system. He was the farm director for the uh, Dodgers, I believe, is what he was. And uh, he was on a bus through the minor leagues, and there was nowhere healthy to eat. There was no health food stores where he was. So they stopped by McDonald's in, you know, minor leaguers. I don't have any money. He was riding on the bus, and he bought a 20-piece or a 10-piece McNugget or whatever it was and famously stripped all the nuggets of the great golden brown coating and just ate the chicken. Every year, the Giants players, as a joke, buy him a steak cake, a cake that actually looks like a steak, and Gabe, in two years, has yet to take one bite, one morsel, one piece of frosting. Gabe Kapler doesn't eat junk food. Now, back to what happened. So you heard Zach Littell there, the relief pitcher. You heard Gabe Kapler last night, how this is supposed to be addressed. When I come out to the to the mound, you give me the ball. And then you heard Gabe Kapler today with a straight face try to say, no, we didn't send down Zach Littell because he embarrassed me in front of 30,000 people in a stadium and thousands more watching on TV and my entire staff and my entire team. And he tried to undermine us. Nah, I would never do that. Teams can't always tell the truth. Managers can't tell the truth. Players can't tell the truth. Coaches can't tell the truth. Executives can't tell the truth. We don't like to think our team is always on the up and up, but they're not. Zach Littell, who's not having a good season, but Zach Littell was sent down to Sacramento, take a nice long drive to Sacramento, young man, and think about what you've done. You do not embarrass me, the baddest manager in all of the land, in front of 30,000 people at a stadium. You're going to Sacramento. Now, his ERA is over five. I guess you could buy it. I just don't buy it. But the more perplexing question is this. What the hell happened to this bullpen? In 2021, the Giants had the best bullpen in baseball. Number one ERA, 2.99. In 2022, they've released their closer from last year, Jake McGee, who had 31 saves and a 2.72 ERA. They've released Dom Leon, one of their best relievers, last year at a 1.51. And now Zach Littell is on his way to Sacramento, and last year he was 4-0 with a 2.92 ERA. You're never going to mentally get him back. The ERA has gone from 2.99 to 4.23 in one season. There's a multitude of reasons why this team is going to go from 107 games to not even close to making the playoffs, but the bullpen is probably number one on the list. And I really, I've asked everybody, I've asked George Contos, reliever on the Giants championship teams. I've lost, I've asked Sean Estes, I think, every single week, former Giants pitcher that joins us on KNBR every single Tuesday. Uh, I, I've asked guys at the ballpark. I've asked guys in the clubhouse. I feel like Dr. Seuss. You know, I've asked him in the clubhouse. I've asked him in the – I don't know what rhymes. Nobody has an answer to why starters can be consistent and bullpen members can't. George Contos told me that it was because starters know which day they're going to pitch. Relievers don't. I don't know. Most guys know their role, don't they? George knows a lot more than I do, but I I don't get it. It's the most perplexing question of them all in from 2021 to 2022. What the hell happened to this bullpen? Next. High fly ball, deep left field. There it goes. See ya. Number 57. Aaron Judge, four away from Roger Maris. Michael Kay on the Yes Network, that is 57 home runs for Aaron Judge, and many people think outside the barrier that that, if he does, if Aaron Judge does indeed hit over 61 home runs, then he would be the true true home run champion. Many people think it's Roger Maris, not Mark McGuire, not Sammy Sosa, not Barry Bonds. Regardless, this is the one the Giants have to get. Farhan Zaidi was talking the other day, the 
Giants baseball of president or, or uh, president of baseball operations was talking to a throng of reporters and somebody just said, are you going to go after the big guy in New York? And Farhan said, isn't that a little early? And then he gave the stock answer of we can go to the top of the uh, free agent market. And we can spend money and we can do that. And then he turns around and he shops at Marshall's. He turns around and he, he, he shops at a thrift store. So I don't even know if Farhan Zaidi is going to go after Aaron Judge or any of the top free agents on the market. A couple of years ago, they flirted with Bryce Harper. A few years ago, they did some heavy petting with Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, they did try for Shohei Otani. But Aaron Judge is the must-have for the Giants for many reasons. Number one, he's from just outside the Bay Area. He's from Linden, California. Just outside the Bay Area, he grew up and still admits that he's a Giants fan and stays up late in New York to watch Giants games. He was a big Buster Posey fan. It was his favorite team. He's from Linden. Did I just say that? Just outside the Bay Area. He would like to come home. Now, do I think that he's going to choose the Giants over the Yankees? Probably not. The Yankees are probably still in the driver's seat. But the fact that the, the Yankees won't go too far, and Aaron Judge has been hurt. And Aaron Judge next year with the Giants or any other team is not going to have this kind of a season. I'm fully aware of it. He's 30 years old. I'm fully aware of it. But the Giants are starless. And I'll even take it a step further. They're not just starless. They don't have an everyday position player. Let that sink in. There are a bunch of guys in a platoon system in a division that features the Dodgers with Freddie Freeman and Mookie and two Turners and Giant Killer Max Muncie and Chris Taylor and Cody Bellinger. And I'm not even going to mention Kershaw and the staff. And the Padres next year will have Juan Soto for a full season and Manny Machado and the return of Fernando Tatis Jr. And their lineup goes on and on. And Arizona has one of the best farm systems in baseball, so they don't have the star power yet, but they're probably in the pecking order ahead of the Giants. And you have no stars. You just re-signed Wilmer Flores, nice player. In the Padres or Dodgers lineup, he's their seven hitter, maybe. And he's probably a platoon player. That's your best player this year, Wilmer Flores. That doesn't work on a number of levels. It doesn't work on the diamond. It doesn't work off the diamond. So there's number one. You need star power. You need an everyday player. You need a base to your house, and that's what Aaron Judge is. Oh, did I mention he's from here, which makes it different. He wants to come back. Sign him. Oh, money, you say? Yeah, it's going to cost a lot. And Aaron Judge is 30 years old, and you're probably going to have to sign him to a contract until he's 39 or 40. That's okay. That's how contracts work nowadays. Yep, you're afraid to do the Albert Pujols deal. I completely understand it. But if you surround him with the right players, Aaron Judge can be a the member of a championship team, and if you win one, the other years don't matter. That's just how it is. Barry Zito signed a seven-year contract with the Giants. Six of them were forgettable. People didn't like him. He was booed. He won one championship. We love you, Barry! That's how it works. Yeah, you're afraid of Albert Pujols, but you've got to take the chance. That's the corner that the Giants have put themselves into. They don't have regulars. They don't have stars, but they do have money. Maybe they don't want to give up players out of their system to trade for Juan Soto this, uh, like they didn't, and the Padres got him. Maybe they didn't have the players, but they didn't want to trade him. They don't want to trade him for Shohei Otani, who might be on his way out with the Angels. He can opt out after next year. But Aaron Judge costs you nothing but money. It's easy because it's not my money, but the Giants right now are 13th in payroll. And I looked up their 2023 payroll, they're 18th. They don't have a lot of 
money committed to 2023. Brandon Belt comes off the uh, books this year. Evan Longoria could come off the books this year. Carlos Rodon can opt out and will opt out. You're losing a lot of payroll. And Brandon Crawford's your highest paid player at $16 million, which isn't a lot, and he's up at the end of next year. So Aaron Judge is a must-have. He's a local guy. He can be the base to your house, and you need to rebuild despite the fact that you won 107 games last year. And by the way, that's not the end of the teardown here. Brandon Crawford's a great shortstop. Love Brandon Crawford, but this year's Brandon Crawford is not last year's Brandon Crawford, and the strongest free agent position is shortstop. Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, Dansby Swanson, Carlos Correa. You need one of those guys. You need a center fielder. You need a third baseman. You need a first baseman. You need pitching. The Giants need a lot, but the start of the reconstruction has to be local guy Aaron Judge. Next. When you were standing up there, is that finally when it does hit you? Because you, you get the phone call, you feel great, but when you're actually standing up there and giving the speech, does does that when it hits you? You know what? It didn't hit me until when we were sitting down, they turning on and off the lights, talking about sit down, sit down, sit down. Then I got nervous. And then Isaiah said, yo, Tim, um, hey, man, go up there and take your time. Don't worry about the, 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 um, the time up there. Go up there and do what you're supposed to do, but take your time and, and, and say what you want to say and be confident in how you want to say it. And I was like, okay, cool. I go up there and do it. And then when I saw my highlights, I was like, oh, I'm cool now. You know, that, 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 that really prompted me to go up there and to say it and do what I, you know, what I want to do. But, you know, Chris and Mitch was like, man, Man, that was really good, man. It was. I said, man, I studied. I, I read that thing three times a day for two months every day. So I was. I, I knew what I wanted to say. I knew how I wanted to deliver it, and I knew how, um, you know, how I wanted to uh, uh, get my meaning across to the people that I was talking about. That was Hall of Famer Tim Hardaway. By the way, isn't that cool? Now, the rest of your life, Hall of Famer Tim Hardaway. Hall of Famer John Lund. I don't even care what Hall of Fame it would be. I, I would just like to get into a Hall of Fame. If someone would contact me at John Lund Radio, I, just any Hall of Fame. I want to give a Hall of Fame speech. I want to call myself a Hall of Famer. I don't even care what is what it's the Hall of Fame of. I don't even care if I've ever done whatever it is before. I just want to be a Hall of Famer. Anyway, that was Tim Hardaway. He was on my show on Tuesday on KMBR 680, the sports leader from 10 to 2. Make sure you're listening if you're in the Bay Area. It was just awesome to talk to Tim Hardaway. He started his speech a man from East Chicago makes it all the way to Springfield. And it was just cool. Isaiah Thomas was there. His family was there. And Tim Hardaway gave a tremendous speech. It was really cool to see Mitch Richmond there and, and Chris Mullen there. And the thing that Tim reminded me of, Run TMC was only together for two years. Mully, Mitch, and Tim were only together for two years. And they lost to the Lakers in the second round one year. And they lost to Sean Kemp and Gary Payton the second year. And Nelly, Don Nelson, broke him up and traded Mitch Richmond to the Kings for Billy Owens. And that was it. They had three Hall of Famers on a team. And in two seasons together, only got as far as the semifinals. That tells you how great the NBA was in that era. Three Hall of Famers, never out of the second round. Next. Someone asked me to rank the quarterbacks today. And this is this is why I want interaction. Let me, let me back up for a second. Hit me up at John Lund Radio. We do the mailbag every Tuesday, but I'm always open. If you hit me up on something, 
and it got me to thinking, maybe I'm going to do a list Wednesday. I've never been a huge list guy, but everybody loves lists, and everybody loves rankings, and everybody loves power rankings. But uh, randomly, somebody asked me to, to uh, rank the quarterback from the 2021 class, which is the one that includes Trey Lance. So I included in here Davis Mills, who's out of Stanford, and he's playing well, and he's a starter for the Texans. So the way I put it was, or the way I ranked them was, Mac Jones won. The way I see it is, here's where they are right now. I was glad when the 49ers didn't take Mac Jones because I already thought they had Mac Jones and Jimmy Garoppolo. And what I've seen so far from Mac Jones is he gets rid of it quickly. He makes good decisions. He's not the most physically gifted. That's kind of Jimmy Garoppolo. So Mac Jones, though, he took the Patriots to the playoffs. He did get hurt in week one, but I'd say Mac Jones, number one. And he doesn't have great weapons with the Patriots. And Bill Belichick has never really put money into great weapons. I know last year they signed a couple of tight ends. They signed a couple of wide receivers in free agency, but they weren't great ones. Uh, Davis Mills, number two from Stanford. He's played well the last few games. And again, I'm just saying as of today, September 14, 2022, they don't have a ton of weapons around him. Brandon Cooks is there, a couple of decent backs. Larry Tunsil on the offensive line. They don't have a ton of talent, but Davis Mills has played fairly well. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, to me, has been a disappointment. But then again, last year's debacle with Urban Meyer, and now he's got a good head coach and Doug Peterson, who not only won a Super Bowl, but was a quarterback in the NFL himself, most notably backing up Brett Favre in Green Bay. So he can relate to Trevor Lawrence. I expect a big jump from him, but I'd put him third. And now it gets tough because I think Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Zach Wilson are pretty much in the same place. So I'm going to split hairs here. Justin Fields only because with his legs, he can make plays and he seems confident on the field, but he's got a long way to go in terms of pocket presence and reads. I'd put Trey Lance fifth out of the group, and I'm not eviscerating him like Mike Martz did. I'm more on the Greg Cosell side of things where I see what he needs to to learn and to pick up. He's got really poor pocket presence. But pocket presence to me and the type of pocket presence he shows is a lack of experience. Anything you've ever done in your life that you're really good at, it took you a while to do it. Trey Lance has 319 career college passes at North Dakota State. He didn't play. That's why I was upset that he didn't play in the preseason. I understand that joint practices give him work, but I think you need to strap it on. I think you need to be in front of the crowd. I think you need to feel the pass rush. You need to do it again and again and again to be comfortable, and he hasn't. Right now, the two things he really struggles with is accuracy and calmness. He's frantic in the pocket. That's what he is. And you heard Greg Cosell talk about it earlier on in the podcast. Go back and if you missed, Greg Cosell had a great breakdown on Trey Lance. He doesn't get his feet set. there. It's it's more than just, hey, throw the ball, have a strong arm. It's kind of the same argument that people have with pitchers, and they get enamored with the with the gun. The guy throws 100. Yeah, he's nuke Lelouch. He just threw it through the backstop, and he just hit the mascot. It doesn't matter how hard you throw it. Brady doesn't throw it very hard. Never has, really. Joe Montana never threw it hard. Drew Brees never threw it hard. They threw it accurately. It's Greg Maddox in baseball. Throw it where you want to throw it. That's more important than how hard you throw it, but we, we become so enamored with how hard you throw it. Trey's got a great arm. Trey looks good coming off the bus, but he's frantic in the pocket, and he's not accurate. Those are deal breakers at the NFL level, and he's got to improve on it. And then Zach Wilson, to me, I just wasn't impressed when he came out of BYU. And again, I'm splitting hairs between these final three guys, but he had a veteran offensive line at BYU. He wasn't pressured a whole lot, and they played a bad schedule. And now he comes into the NFL with the Jets and thinks, I can just make all those off-schedule plays. You can't against these guys. you got to be intricate. you got to be smart. you got to study. you got to know. He made off-schedule plays all the time at BYU. I'm not saying he wasn't awesome at it, but to think that that's how you're going to make your living in the NFL, I don't think it's going to happen. 
So Mac Jones, Davis Mills, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, at John Lund Radio. Do you like lists? First of all, you can take exception with my list at John Lund Radio. And you can ask and you can tell me if you'd like me to do a list Wednesday. Because I kind of like the idea of a list Wednesday, but I'm just not sure yet. All right, let's get up on out of here. It's time for One for the Road. Still got two timeouts, but you got you to gotta get some yardage. They're going to kick it. They're going to kick it. Kick what? They're, kick. They're kicking right here? Kicking the field goal right here. Hold on. Oh. They're kicking Let me see how far this 62 is. 62-yarder. 63-yarder. What? You know, looking back at it, we definitely should have gone for it. Um, just not, not, you know, one of those things. You look back at it and you say, of course we should go for it. We missed the field goal. Um, but in that situation, we had a plan. I mean, we had a plan. We knew that the 46 was the mark. Uh, we were third and 15, I think, third and 13. I'm more upset about that play before it to lose yards, to be able to, you know, Getting that there would have definitely uh, been better to be able to call that same play and get extra yards. But um, he dumps it out to Javante. Javante makes a move, goes a lot farther than I think we had anticipated. We were expecting to go for it on fourth down. And then you hit the mark. I don't know why I'm so angry about this. I'm not a Broncos fan. That was first the Manning cast, Peyton, Eli, and Shannon Sharp during the game on Monday night. And they were unabashedly rooting for the Broncos. And they couldn't believe it. And then you hear Nathaniel Hackett, the first-year head coach of the Denver Broncos, in retrospect saying, we should have went for it, I'm not, and I'm not just saying this because we missed the field goal. Well, number one, of course you are. Number two, I'm sure your quarterback, who you just paid $245 million and made his return to, the, uh, to, the, to Seattle, didn't appreciate the fact that he got pulled off the field. Earlier in the podcast where Giants manager Gabe Kapler said, there's a time and a place to talk about this, I guarantee you Russell Wilson talked to him and said, look, fourth and five, I'm Russell Wilson. I'll run for it. I'll throw for it. I'm going to the Hall of Fame. That's why you have me. To recap, down 17-16, fourth and five from the Seattle 46. Russell Wilson, your new $250 million quarterback. He's come back in the fourth quarter 32 times since 2012. It's why you brought him in, and he's back in Seattle. He's got a career rating of 106 with 12 touchdowns and two interceptions on fourth down. On third down, which is the money down, so I'm comping it for the night. Maybe I'm stretching, maybe I'm not. He's 12 of 14 on the night. Not 12 for 14 as a team. He, in throwing the ball that night, was 12 of 14 on third down. Seattle's D is gassed on the drive. Seattle has a secondary where Jamal Adams is out in a rookie and a free agent corner cut by four teams on the backside. And Nathaniel Hackett thinks it's a good idea to try a 64-yard field goal in Seattle. It's not Denver. It's not thin air. Now, impress your friends with this. There have been about 16,000 games played in NFL history. There have been two, two field goals, 64 yards or longer. Field goal kickers all time, 64 or longer, are two for 42. Brandon McManus kicked a 61-yarder. Anything over that, he's 0 for 6. He's 1 for 8, 60-plus in his career. He's 0 for 6, 62 or longer. And if that's not enough, next-gen stats said that his chances of making it from 64 yards were 14%, which I think are way too high. But the chances of converting 4th and 5 were 42.1%, and the chances of scoring at least a field goal to win after a 4th down conversion were 66%. 
Everyone's into analytics. Why aren't you? And even if you hate analytics, I don't need analytics all the time. I could just watch the damn game last night, and I felt like Shannon Sharp felt. What? He's not making a 64-yarder. You have Russell Wilson. You have to go for it. And it doesn't score you any points to say, in retrospect, after missing the field goal, I should have gone for it. And that's one for the road. That is episode three, Unleashed, with me, John Lund, a Barrier Sports Podcast. Please listen every day. We'll drop it each morning, every weekday. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, all the places you like to listen to pods. Follow me at John Lund Radio. Comments, everything else. I have a mailbag each Tuesday, but we'll always read great tweets. The YouTube channel is coming soon. Listen to my show daily on KMBR 680 in San Francisco with Greg Papa from 10 to 2 on KMBR and KMBR.com. You've been joyfully listening to Unleashed, a Bay Area sports podcast with John Lund, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.